Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jay Hugh. A couple weeks late, we took off for the holidays, mostly because I wasn't here. But we're going to talk about the end of The Mandalorian, the last yeah, we, couple we've episodes. Got a, we've got an unusual backlog of content at this, this point. This is true. <laughs> insert, insert former recording of the mandalorian here or Correct. whatever yeah yeah. there's there's a, a a bit of extra time that went into i think the third to last episode which i don't even know if that's episode five or six whatever uh, the one directed by robert rodriguez that we were just we couldn't shut up that episode so i took it out and i didn't put it anywhere else so it's going right here in this episode right and now well, or yeah, yeah right now is great okay so i'm assuming we're starting with mando again Shit, we are starting with Mando again. I already forgot yeah. about Mando. Uh, this week, directed by Robert Rodriguez. Yep. Um, not much happens in the way of plot. Mando <laughs> takes Grogu to the Seeing Stone Ahsoka talked about, and then the Empire shows up. Um, guys, I fucking loved this episode. I, I, I just want to say that, you know, you guys are probably on Facebook or Twitter or something like that. So a thousand people have probably already said this thing I'm going to I'm about to say, but I'm not on any of that shit. So it's new to me. So, sir, first of all, spoilers. Here we go. More like Boba Fat. Am I right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He's chunky. (laughs) He's chunky, but he's fucking great. It's actually maybe the best the character's ever fucking been. So this is what we have had 40 years of people saying Boba Fett was badass for no reason whatsoever. (laughs) Not earned at all. Nope. And now we finally have something. That is really (laughs) where my joy came from, because I was tired of 50 year old white dudes telling me how badass this character is who fucking does nothing in every movie he's in. Now, all of a sudden is cool as shit. You can say Boba Fett's cool. I'm on board. And you see, I, I thought that I wanted that. But then when I got it, I was like, oh, you know, I really kind of liked the idea of him being the galaxy's coolest looking bozo. <laughs> well, I, I want to ask you guys something. That stick he's using to kick everybody's ass. Is that the stick a blind guy used to kill him? Huh? Oh, I, the, I, I don't know. I, I, I read on, on the trivia for this episode that it's a Tusken Raider weapon. Yes. I, I thought maybe it was the stick that Han Solo accidentally kills him with. It might be. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it. I don't think so. I feel like that's a straight stick. Because Okay, because I mean, that would be pretty badass if he found that and made his weapon. Sure. That would be pretty cool. I also heard that that thing was modeled after like a, you know, South Pacific Islander tribal weapon, which is cool for Tamara Morrison, who, you know, has that heritage. Right, right. Totally. I, I have mixed feelings about this episode as a whole. So it's funny you say not a lot happens plot-wise because a lot of shit happens plot-wise uh, that is impactful for the later episodes. Um, I mean, one thing happens plot-wise. Right. You can maybe argue two. I would argue two to three, but yes. Um, but I was really, I was fresh. I liked the story beats of this episode, but I felt like it was really overwritten. I don't know if anybody else had this problem. It was, it had, it was 19 pages long. It had, it had a really chatty Mando. Right. uh, Because there wasn't anyone for him to bounce against. So it's just him, like, just kind of, I don't know, almost talking to himself, talking to the kid. Uh, But I just, I felt like it was, it was too much. I felt like it, it, 
wasn't polished enough. Uh, there were too many shots of Mando running in the armor. Right. Uh, I don't know. Like, I, I just, I felt like for a show that generally has a fair amount of polish on it, this felt like kind of a rough shot, like early draft that, that probably should have had some things uh, cut and tweaked and made into a, a cleaner product. But that might just be me. Yeah, I, think, I, I, ahead, I don't Dave. think I really had that problem with it. I, I yeah. you know, I, I didn't find any huge holes in it. I mean, there, there was one, one huge grown moment for me. Did can anybody guess what that was? The Bill Burr tease. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it seems like I was like, "Fuck, Bill Burr again!" And I love Bill Burr, but God, does he just take you right out of this? That's, God, that's just, super hey, there's bear. fucking Bill Burr. But yeah. Go. But yeah, yeah. But other than that, I loved every second of it. Well, you know, of course, I don't love that Baby Yoda gets taken, Grogu gets taken. That shit's stressful for me. I'm having trouble sleeping because of it. But uh, but it was a good episode. I uh, yeah, I, I'm with Ju on this one. The Bill Burr thing. I, I am not excited. That guy is coming back to this show. Um, you know, we watched that shitty movie earlier this year with him in it. Him is like a you know, New York firefighter, I can buy. Him is like a gunslinger in a galaxy far, far away. Not digging it. It just right. doesn't work. It, it is really hard to see Bill Burr as anything but Bill Burr. Yes. Right. Uh, you know, and, and for some people like Tom Cruise, that works in their favor, but not for Bill Burr. Um, like, it just seems like something that's like would be on lesser sci-fi. Like, you know, if yeah. you were watching thundercats and suddenly there's a cat with a brooklyn accent it's like oh yeah this is a stupid show for kids why not and star wars is a stupid show for kids but i I usually expect a little more of it the um i appreciated uh that we didn't have another go here get sidetracked whatever i also appreciated right. that we got there and immediately we did the thing we were going there to do <laughs> right yeah. totally that yeah. was a nice change of pace um i feel like the purpose of this episode had two goals which was uh to have grogu end up in the hands of the empire and two to make boba fett badass again and it accomplished both of those things well and i enjoyed it um i, I, I don't he- i don't like that the the subsequent episodes are based on a uh a lexical technicality uh but you know it's fine the um i really enjoyed the empire bit at the end with yeah grogu and uh moff gideon and bringing out the dark saber and i thought all that was fun that was the first time that i have given any credence to the thought uh or the fan theory that gideon is force sensitive and may have been like a youngling or um, a former Jedi or something like that. That was the first time I thought it, but oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I could get on board with that too. We also kind of got confirmation that our dark, that the clones are, are probably Snoke and the emperor since the dark troopers were robots. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah. Good point. Um, I mean, they could they they could still end up being like uh, general grievousy uh, kind of things. Exactly. Yeah. They could have, yeah. They could have soft middles. <laughs> um, I will say, I I genuinely like. I had a moment of sadness when the Razor Crest got exploded, uh, and then I was like, oh wait, no, now they can sell more toys with whatever the fucking new Razor Crest is. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, I think the... I felt like the name Razorcrest was really applicable in that moment um, because, you know, it's it's kind of like he's he's fallen off the side of the world now. Like, what do you do? Right. You know, you've lost your home. You've lost the thing you were you failed at your job. The one thing you were trying to do, you lost your kid. Uh, Razorcrest, I thought, was an applicable name to uh, the tipping point. Um, and who the character of the Mandalorian is before it and what he, who he's going to be going forward. Right. How many more episodes we got this season? Three, I think. I'm, I think that was... No, we never have two. I think there are eight, and I think that was six. So. Oh, damn, that's stressful. Yeah. I'm going to wrap this up in two. Find Bill Burr in one, find Grogu in the other. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Oh no, you're right. That means Bill Burr's gonna be in the finale, probably. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he'll get shot or something. I think I Bill guess... Burr and Bo Katan are gonna show up. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I mean, I'm still waiting for you know I don't I don't know if we'll get it in this season finale, but at some point we're gonna get a thing where sort of all his allies team up. We see, you know, everybody he's sort of had little side adventures with get together to help him. I don't know if it'll be for this, but I, it'll be at some point. I mean, I do hope, and I feel like they're definitely moving this direction, and uh, definitely they're shooting for a spinoff show, but I'd like to get to the point where they've developed these side characters enough that they can have episodes entirely without Mando in them. Yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. And welcome back. (laughs) That was a spirited debate. That was a spirited debate. Joseph really didn't like that episode. (laughs) I don't even remember what that episode was. Oh, is that Fair the Robert Rodriguez one? Yes. Yeah, one, I, I said that about 30 seconds ago. Yes. <laughs> or, I'm sorry. <laughs> 20 minutes ago. <laughs> you were, he, either, either he's an idiot or he was really selling that time gap. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, that, that brings us to the, the last two episodes of The Mandalorian. Yep. Uh, the seventh episode directed by, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Rick Fumiwa, I don't know how to say his sure. name. Black guy who directed some episodes in the first season. The only other person to write an episode of the show, not John Favreau or Dave Filoni. Huh. Uh, we saw the return of Bill Burr. I don't remember his character's name, but they need his help to find out the location of Moff Gideon's light star cruiser. And so they break into an Imperial base and antics ensue i really like this episode i had low expectations though because i was not looking forward to bill burr coming back i was not looking forward to bill burr coming back and then after seeing it i was still not excited to see bill burr coming back but it was not i i enjoy the uh, the premise of the episode uh yeah you guys and i know ian weren't really particularly impressed by bill burr but i uh I thought it was a vast improvement. I I thought he was actually good in this episode. I thought he was good in this episode, too. I thought he was a lot better than he was in the first episode. There still is the Bill Burr problem of it's Bill Burr and <laughs> not a character in a in a totally different galaxy. Yeah. Right. I feel like, you know, maybe this is this is uh, uh, me personally projected, but as somebody who, uh, you know, often is insincere or sarcastic, uh, when talking to other people, it's hard for me to come across as sincere when I actually mean to. And so when I see Bill Burr, who's only ever been a mass hole the entire time I've ever seen him, when he tries to be sincere, I can't help but feel like it's part of another bit. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, 
I thought it's some of the best acting we've ever seen from Bill Burr. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, it, I don't want to keep harping on this. It, and it's unfortunate for that guy. I just can't see him as anybody else. Like, I just sure, don't yeah. see him get, getting lost in a role or character. But I do think he, like, delivers the lines well and does carry emotional weight, which I also thought, props to the writing, that was a pretty heavy moment uh, yeah. for a Star Wars anything, especially this dumb Star Wars Western that we watch every year. So, yeah, I, you know, I actually really like the structure of this episode because I think it starts with them like breaking them out of the, the prison and then it turns into kind of another heist episode, which is the last episode that Vilver was on. But it's like a they, they do like a I guess it's kind of like a train heist thing. I don't really know what to call the freight car thing. Right. But they're the ones that are like protecting the uh, the cargo. And that's a really fun sequence. I think that that played really, really well. I really enjoyed that bit. The one thing that I think is interesting from like a Star Wars lore standpoint is they've already kind of established, you know, like Bill Burr is a former Imperial and we've already kind of like by making him a character that has like feelings about things and the Empire uh, made him a human character. But to like have them come as like fake Imperial soldiers into the Imperial base where like everybody's like celebrating them and giving them high fives and clapping for them and like, Oh, good job guys. You know, it, like it, I feel like besides a few small parts like Bill Burr's part, they've done a very intentionally made stormtroopers, you know, stormtroopers. Right. They're supposed to be the faceless enemy that we could always root against. So to think that they have like a fucking break room, uh, <laughs> really, really, I don't know. You know, I feel like it might overly humanize what's supposed to be cannon fodder. Well, I mean, definitely, you know, I mean, there's there's always since the dawn of geekdom been jokes about, you know, how bad the stormtroopers are at being soldiers and shooting things and stuff. But this episode really does let you know why it was pretty easy for a bunch of, uh, you know, like seems like about 30 or 40 like farm boys with spaceship to take down their entire uh, empire because these guys seem dumb. <laughs> like like they just they not only let these guys into the base they welcomed them as heroes yeah and then we find out one of the security measures for the empire is you have to have a face <laughs> yeah like you don't have to have a specific face you just you have, have to have, have a, a face. face and then you can log into the computer that's not a great security me measure most things have faces what's funny too is most things have faces, but their entire troop has helmets they never take off. Yeah. So how do they access these things? <laughs> I would say does it, it seems like it'd be a dumb plot point, but that was like the whole thing that got Finn in trouble at the beginning of The Force Awakens was he took his helmet off. Right, right, right. It almost seems like it would be a better security measure to have them scan their helmets because yes. yeah, right. they're going to be the guys with those helmets. Yeah, Lots of people without the helmets will still have faces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. That is uh, a great point. You know, I, I will say in defense of the face scan, there was a lot about this season that I felt I enjoyed watching for the entertainment value, but I did not uh, see the point in uh, with in regards to like character development or you know, advancing our protagonist forward. Um, I do think there was still a lot of fan service and a lot to set up future things of the Mandalorian. However, um, 
this this episode and the last episode, I do think did a good job of tying all of those side quests mm. together to make it seem like, okay, it seemed like just side off, one off mission things. But now in these final two episodes, we took elements of all of it to bring us to wherever we end up at the end of this show. Look, we'll get to it in the next episode. I'm not sure all of the assembled crew is necessary, but I think I think you make a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I I, <laughs> oh, I agree. I'm not sure it's all necessary, but I do feel like, okay, we, we gave it a purpose later on. Yeah. Um, and speaking of, you're talking about, you know, kind of the more dramatic beats in this episode comparatively to the rest of the, the show so far. Uh, I've always felt in my heart that Imperial officers should have like, you know, proper British accents. Mm-hmm. But a slow southern drawl also works really well. <laughs> it does. That, that's that's true. Yeah, this was this was like Admiral Foghorn Leghorn, and I he, fucking <laughs> loved it. He was evil as shit. Yeah, I, I liked him a lot too. Yeah, that's the guy that played the Night King. Oh yeah, no, that makes sense. Oh shit, cool. Yeah. Well, he did. He did through Hard Home. That was his last episode, which is mm. the best episode for that guy. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. So last episode. Yep. With the location of Moff Gideon, uh, Mando recruits Boba Fett, Finnick Shan, Cara Dune, and two of the three Mandalorians we met earlier in the season. We what don't happened find... to the third one? We wanted a badass female squad to go. So. so dude was not invited <laughs> to storm Moff Gideon's light cruiser and save Grogu. I like this episode. I have more thoughts, obviously, about the spoiler stuff at the end. But uh, overall, I thought this was a really, you know, solid ending to this show. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's good times. I I, uh, I like this episode a lot too. I some minor quibbles. Uh, Katie Sackloff used to be able to act, right? That was a skill yeah, she, she once had. She's good in Battlestar Galactica. She's yeah. not good in this show. She's she really isn't. She is just saying lines. That's it. <laughs> I, you know, and you said about the badass female squad, man, you know, uh, maybe they should have left most of the badass shit to Gina Carano because, you know, like when she does badass shit, it looks badass. I mean, I think in wrestling vernacular, she may work stiff. I think some of the uh, stuntmen may hate her guts, but it looks good. Those other girls looked like they were just playing and kicking with her. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it, it did not, their part of the action did not look as good as her. I wish they would have just focused more on her in that sort of, uh, in that sort of assault. Yeah. I mean, I have like respect for Ming Na Win as an actress. I love Mulan. That's a great, you know, animated right. film. I like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., though I don't think she's very good in it. This right. is my problem with her as an actress. Like, her and Katie Sackhoff were so stiff and uncomfortable in these scenes. They made Gina Carano look like the best actress in the room. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. That's a good like, point. She's, she seemed very natural and at ease compared to them, whereas they were like trying to figure out what the fuck is going on here, which would be different if they were like Bill Burr, who had <laughs> new, who doesn't even like Star Wars, but all those chicks have done is geek shit. They yeah. should this should be like the easiest shit in the world to them. Joseph, what did you think? I also thought it was good. Uh, you know, like, like I kind of mentioned, I feel like some of the characters who were, who were uh, recruited for this big uh, mission may have proved unnecessary. I also kind of wanted one of them to die just for stakes reasons. Yeah. It's, but... It did seem like second Mandalorian chick was set to go. Like it seemed like she was there just to die. Sure. I mean, she didn't. 
cowards. Yeah. Uh, but I really, I really enjoy. I enjoyed both of the the Mando fights uh, versus because he fights the one dark trooper at the beginning, right? I'm remembering this correctly. Yes, he has yeah. a dark yes, trooper. Yeah, yeah. He, fight, he, fight, he fights him, and it was a great fight with the Terminator. It is. It's a great fight with the Terminator, and also like it, it was. It was kind of the the showcase for like the stakes at the end of like, yeah. holy shit, just one is this fucking hard to kill. You know, imagine if there's fucking 40 of them or however many there were. And then the Moff Gideon's fight is good, too, just because he is kind of like depleted and just, you know, it's a it's a sword fight. with. Yeah, me. I watched the uh, the making of special or whatever they released on Christmas. Yeah. And they talked about uh, Giancarlo, like the way he acts, that is a person who is not trained and knows he's outmatched. Right. So he's going to fight with all of his anger. And so it's not like you can really like prepare or counter it because this is just a mad person with a laser sword. (laughs) And I I think that actually comes across really well in that in that fight scene. (laughs) I mean, that's a really good point. Just a person who's pissed off and is flailing about with that sword is a danger to anyone. Exactly. (laughs) Even Gina Carano. (laughs) I, I don't you know, I don't know enough about the uh, the extended lore to know all about the uh the winning the dark saber in like legitimate combat so this is an interesting point because the internet's like we've never heard of this before and right. look i understand that argument but also it's made up bullshit you can change right. the rules all the time sure number two there is an argument to be made that maybe this is why bo katan feels so strongly towards it because she did not win it that it was given to her by Sabine Wren and she lost it. She didn't actually have a very real claim to it. She knew the lore and she did it anyway and fucked Mandalore over. So maybe there is, you know, this portion that we haven't seen before. And it is one of the reasons why she feels so allegiant to it now. I don't know. Maybe I'm just justifying shitty writing. Sure. Well, I mean, like I I like it better as like it, it's her own like personal shit that she has to like, she needs this for herself to, to, you know, feel like, I don't know. She, she earns it versus like, Oh, it's a cultural thing. And they'll only respect it if she wins it in battle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. And, and I think because that's if, true. if that was the truth, like, all right, there's like five of us. I've enough of us can fucking lie to make this happen. <laughs> right, right. I mean, and, and to be fair, like it makes sense with like what we know of this culture of this race and stuff like that. And I don't know. It, it's a dumb thing that people have gotten mad about. The thing is with Dave Filoni, he was born in this briar patch. If he said that out there, he's got an explanation <laughs> for it later. You know? He literally made that thing up like that <laughs> is his baby. <laughs> but also he spent so much of his career in Star Wars making things from other things that didn't make sense make sense. He can definitely make his own set shit make sense. Yeah. Again, talking about that making of thing, they talk about how like anal he is specifically about the dark saber. Like people are holding it and he's like, is, uh, is, is that made out of aluminum? And they're like, yeah. he's like that, that that's not going to work. That, that doesn't look <laughs> right. Uh, and they're like, I mean, it holds better. He's like, I, yeah, I mean, okay. It, like it's literally the thing he's probably most proud of. Uh, you're right. He'll figure it out. It'll be right. fine. We all thought the helmet thing didn't make sense. And they had a throwaway line in a, you know, episode six episodes ago to make it make sense. So <laughs> right, totally. It'll be fine. So do we want to talk about the, uh, the big reveal of this episode, the big one, 
That yeah. big one. I'll be honest with you. Even when I saw the X-Wing approaching in this episode, I didn't think they'd go for it. I didn't think they, I, they were like, this This show had the pull to, to make that kind of thing happen. Sarah 100% called it before me because she got it like immediate. And was like, no way, man. They can't do that. I got and it at the glove. That. When they showed yeah, him yeah, yeah. His, his right hand, when it was the glove, I was like, oh, shit, that's like Skywalker. See, I didn't even get it at the glove. I got it at the green li- uh, at the green lightsaber. Before the green lightsaber, I marked the fuck out. I was fucking like excited. Uh, very Rogue One esque scene. Yes. I'm sure that's what they were going for him. Very certainly, uh, that's what they were going for. Five minutes of him, you know, just being his dad, wrecking shit. You know, yeah. a lot of people have pointed out that it, it's very similar to the Rogue One scene. It is very similar to the Rogue One scene. But it's also pretty similar to that scene in Rebels where Darth Vader first shows up. When, you know, there's a where there's a rebel fleet and something comes out of hyperspace and they're like, it's just one TIE fighter. And then that TIE fighter told cold shuts them down. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of that same thing. So he he, you know, he referenced a little of his own shit there too. But uh yeah, I fucking loved that shit. I loved uh just uh, you know, again with the stakes we'd set up of how dangerous the uh dark troopers were that he just tore through the amazing thing to me about this is that you made you you decided you were gonna do luke skywalker and then you let peyton reed direct it Hmm. how did that (laughs) guy draw that stick (laughs) i don't know that's a good question i mean he did a good job but yeah no he did a good job but totally i i would figure that filoni would have saved that one for himself yeah him or favreau yeah yeah the other, the other question I'm sure the internet has also asked a lot is, you know, if uh, if we're bringing Luke back into this world, obviously the CGI is, is not a sustainable way to go. Doesn't this seem like it would have been the best time for a recast? I don't think you're going to keep seeing him. I, I really don't. I, I will agree that there was a little bit of me that was disappointed that it wasn't Sebastian Stan. But. Also, I kind of think Mark Hamill should be the only person to ever play Luke Skywalker. So I'm torn. But definitely, if he would have taken off the hood and it was an actor who looked like Mark Hamill and could pull it off, would have been like, oh, shit, now we're going to get more Luke Skywalker content. Whereas at this point, I don't think we will. We may see him again on this show, but not very much. Yeah, I, I, I'm not even sure we'll see him again. When I When this ended, I thought... You know, already knowing the Mandalorian season three was coming out, I thought this was the end of this story. And we were it would be like an anthology show. And like while the character of Din Djarin may show up again, like maybe it would be Bo-Katan trying to get the the Darksaber and take a Mandalore. Maybe right. whatever the book of Boba Fett is, maybe it was going to be that. Like, I thought this was the end of that. Now, we've found out that that's not true, I don't think. But. I thought that giving Grogu to Luke, this is a satisfying into this story as it is or has existed. Yeah. I'll be honest. I didn't want it to be Luke Skywalker. I was not really? pleased with that decision. Yeah. Uh, I, I just can't. Who else could it have been? So this is that's the big like question. Again, I'm going to say this shit is made up. So they could have just made somebody up. My who I probably would have preferred. um you know, we just launched a brand new video game franchise last year with a guy named Cal, who we know is alive in this universe at this time. Also, there's um, a guy that looks just like him in the real world. 
Yeah, because they, you know, they it seems intentional that you would make the character look like the actor. Right. So I thought he could be an option. You know, we know Ahsoka's out there. Uh, <clears throat> again, we paused. Joseph and I both posited this theory on here. You never see Mace Windu die. <laughs> someone had to get someone had to get Grogu out of that uh, temple who knew shit was going down. Um to me, there are, there's at least four to five people right off the top of my head it can be without it just being someone completely brand new and made up. Um, however, I did read a, someone say if Mace Windu was out there, he would be fucking evil by now. And, and that <laughs> I can make an argument that I can see. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, Luke wasn't my first choice. I didn't love it. Uh, but I think they handled it well and they did a good job and I can accept it. What I wanted season the three would be was this like made up new Jedi who joins the razor crest. And there's this weird like dad stepdad relationship uh, between Grogu and Mando Mando and whoever this new person was. I'm not going to get that. That's okay. I just don't know who else from not just for the story for this, but for the overall story, it could have been besides Luke. The, actually, the only real problem I have with it being Luke, and I know it's a big galaxy and all that shit, but I really feel like uh, uh, Cara Dune should have known who Luke Skywalker is. Yes, mm. for sure. Like, she's a survivor of Alderaan. She, wor- she fought in the Rebel Alliance. She should probably be a super fan of the guy who avenged Alderaan and killed the Emperor and Darth Vader. That's definitely true. Um, and he never says his name, so you know, it could be in season three where so, the carrot just says, Oh, yeah, that was Luke Skywalker, but <laughs> that was, oh, yeah, I, I totally knew that guy. Sorry, <laughs> um, uh, you know, I mean, they're uh, you know, I, 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 I liked it a lot. I liked seeing Luke, the, the CGI wasn't great, but I also like honestly don't really, it was give fine when the mouth wasn't moving, the mouth right. moving was the problem. Yeah, uh, I know, I know people that bugs people. I'm with Jay here, it doesn't bug me, whatever. Like, I get what it, you're trying to do. I know there's a lot of people out there dismissing it as fan service. And I mean, and just in general, I think I hate the term fan service. I think it's just elitist bullshit, but that one specifically, I don't know how bringing in the central character of the whole thing in a moment that is specific to him is fan service. That seems very storyline dictated. Yeah. I mean, so I did, on that note, you know, I Ian and I were texting about this. And one thing that came out of our conversation that, you know, came to my mind is to me, this is what Rise of Skywalker was trying to do, which is that you you have fan service, but it also makes sense within the story. Right. And I think in Mandalorian, it does. So, like I said, I maybe didn't want it to be Luke because of where I wanted to see the story to go. But with what I can accept what they did and how they did it and still enjoy it. Whereas like say rise of Skywalker, it's just fan service and it doesn't make sense within all of star Wars itself. And it doesn't drive the plot forward. It doesn't offer me conclusion. Like it's fan service for fan service sakes. Whereas this is using fan service to close the plot and does so in a satisfying manner. I believe I don't, I don't think the, the complaint is truly applicable here. Because right. I think they pull it off. I, I don't know. I, I guess just my thing with fan service mostly is I would just uh, replace that with, hey, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know true. what I'm saying? I, like, I just this, just this idea, like, say, when you're watching this and something that comes on it that's specifically for fans is somehow fan service. 
how is this whole thing not fan service? Like it's, it's a TV show based around the success of three movies from like 35 plus years ago. Like the whole thing is fan service. When you call a part that other people liked fan service, you're basically saying, I'm smarter than that person. I'm not like this Mark who's watching this. I'm the guy who knows what's really up. And that shit just gets on my nerves. You know, to me, like, the, I feel like the difference between, I guess, accusations of fan service uh, being bad versus just regular story beats being bad is it's kind of uh, my, my uh, comedy equivalent is the show Archer, which is yeah, as, as the show went on, instead of making new jokes, just continues to make callback jokes to like, you know, give you a little snortle to snortle. Right. Is that a word? I don't know. That's good enough for me. Okay. To, to, to like get you through the show. Like there's enough com- quote unquote comedy beats because they've made a reference to another show that made you laugh, but they haven't actually created anything else to make you laugh. And at some point, at some point, like seven seasons down the line, it just became a hollow husk of uh, jokes from the first three seasons, just repeated over and over again. Right. About for like 10 episodes a season. And I think that's, that's what people are. I, I, I don't know. You know, I think there's a lot of things that people mean when they say fan service, but I think to me, that's what bad fan service is in the sense that it's, it's, hey, here's something that you can applaud at so that we don't have to actually come up with something else to make you applaud. Yeah. Okay, well, what did we think about the Boba Fett bit? And then we'll end it up. Sure. Uh, so, well, is, yeah, is, the, 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 the end of this is there's a post-credits. That's, what's, what's the name? What did they decide it was called? The Book of Boba Fett. The Book of Boba Fett. First off, I hate anything that reminds me of the Book of Eli. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, you know, sure. I don't really understand what the vibe of this show is going to be, but you know, if, if it's a similar kind of, I, I like to think of this as like he's going to have to deal with the burden of being like a warlord. <laughs> yeah, I, or, I think it's going to be like the Godfather in space. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that has me pumped. I love this ending. I thought this was a perfect like setup for Boba Fett. Like one Bib Fortuna being fat as fuck, hilarious. Right. Uh, the guy who played Bib Fortuna in that scene, I actually also played him in The Phantom Menace. Huh. Uh, oh, right on. He's like a sound engineer at Lucasfilm who they just put, you know, Twilight flappy things on. And, right. uh, but I thought going back to Jabba's palace and like Boba getting his revenge, thought was a great scene. Love sitting him in the chair. Got me excited for that show. So is, yeah, is it going to be a separate show? Is this what the show is going to be about now? What is it going to be? No, it will so be a separate there's now, show. There's now at least four shows spun off of this universe, if I'm correct. Included, well, I guess not four, three spun off, four shows total. The Mandalorian, yes. there's going to be a Mandalorian season three following our main Mandalorian in some other adventure, probably something about the reclamation of Mandalore. Who knows? Uh, there's the Book of Boba Fett, which is directly spun off of this show from the end credits. There's going to be an Ahsoka series about whatever the fuck Ahsoka Tano's doing as Rosario Dawson. Uh, and then the New Republic series with Gina Carano and hopefully better actors. Well, we don't know that it's Gina Carano. One thing they said about Rangers of the New Republic. There's no way she's not in it. In the, the, one first thing, episode. the one thing they said about it is that it takes place immediately after Return of the Jedi. Oh, okay. So it actually will be before the Mandalorian takes place. Okay. But yes, probably we'll still have some of those characters in it. Um, but yes, this, I think this is going to be a mini series because it comes out December of 21, the same time as Mandalorian season three, they're not going to have them competing against each other. It'll probably be like a, a two hour movie that they're breaking up into four 30 minute episodes or something. But Robert Rodriguez is the one doing it. So 
you know. Oh, well, yeah, I'm sold there. That this seems like right up his alley. Yeah, I I like that scene, and I will watch that show. I'm glad Tamora Morrison's back, and yeah, I'm not looking forward to Ming Na Wen being in more of, of this shit. But <laughs> right. maybe she'll get better with time. You don't. Know. She's gotten worse with time. Ah, well, let's all be she honest. She should probably get a helmet too. That might help. <laughs> she has one. They just don't wear it enough. Yeah. So uh, that's it for the Mandalorian. I think when, the next season's you said December next year, right? Christmas Day will be the first episode. Christmas Day of, of next year. So it's it's a yeah. bit of a long wait. Your free trial will almost certainly be up by then. So, uh, <laughs> Fifty-one weeks from now. Yeah, but there's good stuff on the way. I promise. Not that I'm selling for Disney Plus, but if they want to, <laughs> I'll take it. They said someone calculated the amount of episodes of Marvel TV, and theoretically, they could have an episode of Marvel TV. So. Every week in 2021. All right. They're not going to do that, but they yeah, could. yeah, yeah. Right. But yeah, that's it for the Mandalorian. What have we been watching this past week, guys? I didn't the past watch week any. and a half. I, I mean, I did watch some stuff, but I will save it for next week. Uh, I went to Disney World, as I said. Um, some things I can say about the park in Magic Kingdom. Tron is going to be cool as shit. That ride looks super cool. It's <laughs> not done yet, but I'm excited to ride it when it is. Uh, Animal Kingdom. I didn't really get to. This is the first time I've been since Avatar Land is opened. Um, I didn't get to do Flight of the Navi because my children are way too young for it. Um, but it's a cool looking place. They've done a good job with it. But the big change, the thing I'm most excited about is Hollywood Studios. They've done a lot there. I went to Hollywood Studios last in 2016 and like half the park was closed for renovation, starting with Toy Story Land. They've done a really good job with that area of the park. There's three rides over there, Slinky Dog, Toy Story Mania, and like a Buzz Lightyear saucer ride thing. Slinky Dog is a fun roller coaster. It's you now not super intense, but it's, you know, a nice addition to the park. I've never ridden Toy Story Mania, which is been around for a few years. That is an incredible amusement park ride. If you go, really check it out. New other new addition is Mickey and Minnie's Run Runaway Rail, which is uh, about Goofy, and it's supposed to be in a cartoon that's replaced the Great Movie Ride. I'm a sucker for the Great Movie Ride, so I was sad to see it go. But again, this is a this is a good replacement. That is a cool ride. You really do feel like you're in a cartoon, um, and the way like the cartoon plays out and it goes from like animated to animatronic and back and forth, and how it re- relates to your ride vehicle um, is really cool. But the big thing that I did there and excited to talk about is I went to Galaxy's Edge, which Woo! is the Star Wars land um, that opened, I think, about a year and a half ago. I want to say like July of 19. It's just um, a Disney World, right? Uh, there is Galaxy's Edge in Disneyland Fuck. and Galaxy's Edge at Hollywood Studios. I wanted to stick it to those California bastards. <laughs> no. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Uh, it, it is everything everyone talks about it is super cool it is arguably the most immersive experience at any disney park it feels very real i mean it just really is probably the closest thing you know any of us will ever experience when it comes to star wars um the two rides there smugglers run uh <clears throat> and rise of the resistance start with smugglers run that's the one i rode first it is the millennium falcon ride Number one, the line queue, you're standing right beside like a life-size version of the Millennium Falcon, and that's just the coolest shit there is. Um, when you finally kind of get up, Hondo Anaka is the narrator of the ride. Um, there is a like a live-action Hondo video, which is kind of fun. There's a cool animatronic, I believe. 
Jim Cummings did all the voice work for it. But um, after you like meet Hondo, the doors open and you walk into like the main deck of the Millennium Falcon. And it's just it's it's the coolest experience. Uh, it looks real. It looks just like it does in the movies. And it just feels awesome. There's six chairs kind of in like the pilot area and you you it's a simulator and everyone has a different job. And the whole goal is to, you know, steal some shit and make it back. And I don't know if you can not. I don't know if you can fail at it. We did not fail the people who I rode with, but uh, we were pretty fucking beat up by the end of it. But it's it's a good time. Um, I would say ride that first if you can, because when you get on Rise of the Resistance, it is the greatest amusement park ride ever built by human beings <laughs> it it is it it really de- it, it screws smugglers run because all the joy that you have walking onto the deck of the millennium falcon you're then like this is shit compared to rise of the resistance it is <laughs> unbelievable i cried twice on that ride um <laughs> it is so fucking real I, I i can't even put into words for example I'm not going to go into spoilers about the ride or what happens or anything like that. But the way this, the ride works is instead of like you being in a queue and then getting in a ride car and being like on a track or anything like that. And this is kind of true for smugglers run as well. You don't really do that either in that ride. But when you, you get, you go into this room and BB eights in there and he's fucking rolling around and a hologram of Ray appears and it is, it is the realest fucking hologram. I, I have no idea how they did it other than it's a real fucking hologram Um, and the doors open. And instead of like getting on a ride car or anything like that, you're in a launch bay. Like you're, you are on a launch pad and there is a ship parked in front of you and you doors open, you get on the ship and some shit happens. And it's like, you're captured by the first order and the same doors open again. And you're in an entirely different place. And first order officers storm aboard and they're yelling at you and telling you to get in line and they're going to put you in a prison cell. And when they pull you out, you're in a like this has been like the big shot that people see of the ride is that there's stormtroopers in like a launch bay area and there's, you know, opens out to space. But you walk out and there are Imperial officers and there are stormtroopers and there's this giant, you know, screen that looks out to space and TIE fighters are flying by and it, it feels for 30 seconds you're like, oh my god, I'm in Star Wars. <laughs> dope. That sounds uh, super dope. <laughs> and they put you in a holding cell, and you get broken out, and then there's a second fucking ride. Like there's, <laughs> you've already done shit, and then you're captured, and they, tr- I mean, they treat you like a prisoner. Like they don't want you talking. If you're talking, they're gonna like make fun of you and shit, and they force you into a room. And you know, at one point you're on the ride, and fucking Kylo's lightsaber comes through the roof, and I don't know how it works. Like I, it looks like a lightsaber is cutting through the roof of this fucking thing, and I don't know how it happens, but it's it's unbelievable. It is just the coolest fucking shit. All right. Well, man, I am sold. I know. I am also sold. Yeah. You should be doing testimonials for Galaxy's Edge. <laughs> I curse too much for it, but yeah. Yeah. For 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 the thirty and older crowd. Yeah. Right. Oh, I also bought Ahsoka lightsabers while I was there. They cost me a shit ton of money. But I can only imagine. <laughs> I, that's how they get you. They're so fucking cool. I'll send you guys a picture. <laughs> I hope to get Ashley to sign them at Pensacon this year. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, at any of the restaurants, they have blue and or green milk? They have both blue and green milk. I did not Good. drink it. 
because awesome. I was running around trying to hit as much shit as possible. But well, I, I feel like maybe green milk isn't the thing to drink right before you go on a ride. Anyway. <laughs> yes. All of it better than Transformers. Right. Uh, I rec- highly recommend. Hollywood Studios used to be a shit park, and it's the one I spent the most amount of time. I rode multiple rides multiple times there. Fair enough. This is completely unrelated. I'm probably not going to keep this in either, but I've just been thinking about it for most of the time that Christian's been talking. Do you guys think that Avatar fucked up sex for an entire generation? It's weird, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Have you ever thought about how close Avatar is to hentai? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. I was just thinking about, you know, you're talking about your kids aren't old enough for it. And I realized it probably was because they weren't like tall enough for it. But then I thought to myself, I was 18 when that movie came out. Like I had already like established my shit at that point. But if I was like 11 or 12 and it was just all these giant, sexy, mostly naked blue te- people who like fuck with their hair. I just <laughs> like, I don't know what would have happened to me. I don't know right. how I would have been different, but I'm positive I would have been changed by that experience. All right. Anyway, Hurt, you can talk about whatever you want to talk about now. Well, man, I really, uh, my shit's going to sound like real uneventful after that. that was, uh, <laughs> All of our shit's going to sound uneventful. We didn't go was, to fucking Star Wars. That was fucking inspiring. It um, was. You know, um, okay. Uh, you know, a, a couple things. Um, uh, uh, you know, this is going to be music stuff again. That seems to bore everybody senseless. So that's that's my brand. So, um, you know, I, I had said, I think on this podcast a while back that I'm, I, I'm giving up on new bands. I'm too old to recognize whether or not a new band is cool or not. You know, uh, not recognizing that in yourself is how people end up being fans of like train. So uh, I'd said that, but now we're in like a new decade and I'm really wanting to know how this decade's going to process Audie's nostalgia. Because, you know, nostalgia is particularly in music. It's 20-year cycles. Uh, so I want to see what bands get from those bands, which were basically straight riffs on other bands. Uh, the Strokes were just like, what if television wasn't as jammy? The Interpol was just like, what if uh, Joy Division was a little less of a bummer? So I'm waiting for the thing that would get the Audie's nostalgia going. In that respect, I bought the White Stripes new greatest hits record. <laughs> and God, did I hate it. Now, how oh. could a band that I like and have all their material and didn't even really need to buy their uh, the uh, greatest hits because I already have all the shit put out a greatest hits that I hate? And the answer is by putting 26 fucking songs on my ass plays better baseball 26 songs is not a greatest hit that's a best of and even that stretching and there's just too much fucking deep cuts on there that nobody but jack white cares about i'm all for putting in like one or two deep cut in there in there but too much 26 songs is like most of their their uh, discography. But 26 songs on a greatest hit. The greatest hit should really be Wham Bam Thank You Man. For sure. No, yeah, I'm agreeing with you. Particularly for a band album, band that I think only has six albums. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, for me, really Grace Greatest Hits, even though I don't love the band, the Eagles Greatest Hits, Great Greatest Hits. Uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbakers Greatest Hits, maybe the best Greatest Hits. The Cure Standing by the Sea great greatest hits this is just like a guy having an argument with his fan base on what his band was fucking hot <laughs> garbage which uh, is what jack white is is, is what jack white is uh I, I don't fucking buy this 
if you're if you're interested, I'll tell you a good playlist to make. Uh, on the other end of that, Sarah for Christmas for me uh, bought me a uh, streaming concert of The Darkness. Basically, uh, the, the title was Streaming of a White Christmas. You know, in Corona times, they put on a concert in front of nobody. And for a band that's very good at crowd work, very good at sort of the sort of rock and roll pageantry stuff, you would think it would lose what they're great at. But instead, it was twice as awesome because they would still hold out the microphone for no one to sing. <laughs> they would still throw the picks to nobody there. It was fucking great. That's fabulous. I, you know, I, I love the darkness because, you know, those guys are good at being funny and rocking, which are, you know, my two favorite things for someone to be good at. Uh, you know, Sarah also loves them for those two reasons, but she also likes that Justin Hawkins is sexy trash and that they could probably share outfits. So, uh, but uh, I, I really stand by this when it, I think it's coming out as a live album lately, later, everyone should try it. I think what's wrong with the world is that people don't like enough people don't like the darkness they should be the biggest band on earth the fact that i seem to always di diss this band i think just because it hurts joseph's feelings but the fact that radiohead a band i love is bigger than the darkness is wrong <laughs> because people shouldn't want to feel bad life will make you feel bad without you know seeking art that's going to make you feel worse so yeah uh you know, uh, Darkness Streaming of the White Christmas, better than the Transformers. Uh, Jack White's greatest hits, fucking. I love it. Uh, okay. I also lo I also love the idea uh, you're talking about the Strokes being kind of a, a palatable ripoff band because now that I think about it, the, the Strokes kind of feel like a photocopy of a band. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, they they are like really, you know, like like '90s nostalgia was very prominent in the music, but it was always you know, taking a dig at it, taking it and, you know, like a found object and doing something else. All those oddies bands, which I love, they were just straight copies of it. And, and the Strokes were probably the biggest offender of that. Fair enough. Uh, well, this week I followed Christian's lead and uh, me and the wife started watching The Queen's Gambit this weekend. Ooh. Uh, and it's fucking great. It's, I can see how it's, uh, first off, I didn't realize it was so short, seven episodes. Uh, but it is spectacularly bingeable. It's, it's uh, inexplicably compelling for a chess uh, right. Yeah. yeah, it's it's very very fun to watch. Uh, the episodes are, are very tight. They're kind of loosely based on like one big you know chess match an episode. Uh, but it's it's just it's very enjoyable. We're, I think we're on episode six, so I mean we're almost done. But uh, super duper fun. I highly recommend, especially since you know it's it's kind of just a I don't know, an in-between show. You're not going to get invested in it for a long time. You're just going to enjoy it and it's going to be over. Yep. Uh, the other two things I want to talk about are things that are much less accessible. Uh, so I'm going the Hurt Train, which is <laughs> not, not only just anime, but relationship anime, uh, which to be fair, now that I've watched it, I feel like is much more Hurt's Jam than like, you know, a Dragon Ball Z or something would be. <laughs> right, <laughs> probably. Uh, the first one I, I failed to follow up on. I watched with the wife a while back. Uh, it's called Fruits Basket. It's uh, a it's almost a harem anime. It's about a, a girl who gets entangled with this magical family. Who each member of the family is a spirit of the Chinese zodiac, and they can also turn into those animals. And it's a thing. But they're also like falling in love and dealing with teenage hormones. It's pretty good. I will say it, it's you know it's one of those things where nothing actually happens in almost any episode. 
everyone just almost expressing their feelings, but then doesn't. And then we move on to the next episode. Uh, but the costume design, which is weird to say for a drawn thing, is fucking fantastic. And then more recently, just, just for funsies, because I've already watched uh, shows called Dororo, Dorohidoro, and Dorarara. We watched Toradora, just because I want to tell people that I've seen all four shows. And it's also a high school relationship comedy. The, the basic gist of it is a uh, guy and a girl meet, realize that they're in love with each other's best friends. So they conspire to help each other to like get with each other's best friends. And you kind of get what's probably going to happen at the end of the show. But the biggest problem with it I had is, so like, you know, they set it up early. You get what's going on from the beginning, but they spend 25 episodes bullshitting around. Uh, and then at the end, there's resolution for the main two characters, but in order to make a successful romance thing, like I feel like and this is probably a bad example because I don't think like sitcoms follow up on things, but I feel like we all knew that, that like, Ross and Rachel were going to get together, right? Isn't that like kind of a central thing in right. Friends? Like we figured that mm-hmm. out pretty early on, but we just kind of fuck around for a while. Right. Uh, but in this show, we've, we've invested in these other characters that they're supposed to like and like, you know, kind of establish romantic connections to. And in doing so, we like, you know, learn about their like hopes and dreams and like, you know, the, their little broken aspects of their personalities and to get really invested in them too. And so then at the end of the series on the final episode, there's resolution for our two main characters, but now I've met all these other people that I like and I want them to be happy too, but fuck them. I guess the show didn't care about <laughs> them. So we don't know what happens to them. Anyway, uh, all those things are better than Transformers. That's, that's uh, my week. Very fun. Right on. Uh, so next week we have a couple options. Uh, you know, I feel like we should have done Wonder Woman this week. But we had to do The Mandalorian. There's also, you know, it's the end of the year. I don't know how this works. You know, usually you do a retrospective before the year is over. Or in our case, when the Oscars are coming out, I don't know what the fuck's happening with the Oscars this year. I don't even know when the new year starts. So I don't really give a fuck. And we still want to do that just whenever in January. I only watched like five new things all year. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how I'd have a retrospective. (laughs) I fucking watched Wonder Woman 84 and that New Jersey movie from fucking what's his face. Yeah. I mean, you know, I assume we're going to do Wonder Woman next week, but, uh, I, I don't know. I may have to send a proxy for me. I'm really worried if I talk about this movie, the podcast will be unerable. I kind of liked it, so I <laughs> okay. We have then to talk about good, it. It will get be good to have some counterpoint because I did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm stoked. Okay, Wonder Woman '84 next week. It's on HBO Max, or you could go to a theater. Jehu, did you go to a theater? I mean, I tried. I went down there. Uh, went to the ridge, asked him how many people were in the auditorium. They said 45. I said, that's too much. Yep. Went home and watched it on HBO Max. You liar. <laughs> I, no, if you remember, if you go to the tape, what I said was, I no one would be there because no one would be there. When I got there and there were people there, I was like, nah, I'm, I'm not doing this, you know? And boy, am I glad I did. <laughs> well, I can't judge. I also watched it on HBO Max. <laughs> it's very convenient. I mean, I'm still probably sure I'm going to do some of the other Z movies in the theater. I'm just not going to do it. You know, I I guess there's a lot of people who don't care about their health on Christmas Day. Yeah. And on that note, uh, (laughs) thank you guys for listening. If if you want to get in touch with us, tell us your thoughts on The Mandalorian or uh, its upcoming, you know, new season or spinoff shows. 
what direction you'd like to see the show go, you can reach us at realphonies@gmail.com, Facebook and Twitter at realphonies, and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. I feel like I'm supposed to tell you guys to like rate and subscribe and tell your friends. Do that. Hey, thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys next week. Later.